Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. It is the holiday season, so make sure Leon Tailoring is on your gift list. That's right, get somebody a nice suit, jacket, shirt, tie, skirt, blouse, coat, or perhaps get them a Leon Tailored gift certificate. That way they can go pick out the actual clothes that they want. Hey, like I said, this is the season, the season to give Leon Tailoring. It's a perfect gift. Actually, you can kind of give all year round, but we're happy to have you at Christmas time or any other time of year. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. That's Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, and downtown Indianapolis. Well, it has been an interesting year when it comes to health care here in the state of Indiana. Lawmakers and uh, folks looking for ways to sort of uh, keep costs down, uh, as well as Medicaid reimbursement rates and all the other fun things going on with uh, the doctors and nurses and the hospitals here in Indiana. So join us on the news line, the gentleman who's always kind of been our point person, one of our point people on this issue, Brian Tabor, Executive Director of the Indiana Hospital Association. Brian, my friend, first of all, thank you very much for being with us and happy holidays, my friend. Same to you and thanks for having me, Abdul. No worries. So let's go ahead and get, let's go start our conversation off. How would you describe the political climate for health care here in Indiana here in 2023? Uh, lively. Uh, I, I think, you know, there's certainly been uh, a, a lot of ac- activity. Uh, I think uh, there's been some good things. There's been some things that cause us deep concern. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot happening. So legislatively, uh, it was a busy session, but there are other so many other things that that uh, impact health care. So we're going through what some call the great unwinding with our Medicaid program, uh, where we have you know hundreds of thousands of Hoosiers who are having their eligibility reviewed after uh, the pandemic. Um, that's a huge story that uh, I know has gotten some attention, uh, but I think will continue to be uh, a major story. We've got uh, talk of repeal and replace of uh, Affordable Care Act kind of popping back up on the radar a little bit, so uh, there's there's certainly a lot happening. Well, let's start with that, that sort of unwinding because you're absolutely right uh, with the with Medicaid with uh, with Medicare, and also with respect to the pandemic. Uh, a lot of folks were sort of on, but they were only 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 supposed to be on for for a short period of time. Now you got sort of that unwinding. There's some issue that some folks didn't get notification. How has that impacted you folks in the hospital business? Yeah, so we our goal is to try to get coverage to as many. Hoosiers as we can, uh, whether they're a you know working adult, uh, a new mom, and and uh, and, and her kids, uh, you know there are a lot of options uh, for people today. Uh, but unfortunately, when people kind of fall through the cracks, uh, or in some cases maybe don't avail themselves of some options or aren't aware of those options, uh, we have more and more uninsured, and that. That impacts hospitals financially because there's more care that we deliver where there's not reimbursement. So that has a bottom line impact. But really, uh, you know, the biggest story there is it, it impacts patients negatively, right? I mean, when people don't have that security of coverage, they're less likely to seek preventative care. They get sicker. They may end up in the emergency room. And that's not good for Hoosier Health. Unfortunately, we, we tend to have in Indiana the highest uninsured rate of our surrounding states, even though we have programs like the Healthy Indiana Plan or the, the, the Marketplace. So uh, we're kind of redoubling our efforts uh, to help those that may be disenrolled, try to get them back on once they're eligible, make sure people are filling out that paperwork correctly, uh, because we want people to have coverage. Uh, and, and so we're working hard on that. Uh, when it comes to coverage, obviously, uh, hospitals get reimbursed uh, by uh, the state of Indiana for for some of their costs. I know there's been a big back and forth on reimbursement, or for for Medicaid. You folks put out a news release lately saying Indiana is one of the one has one of the lowest rates uh, in the immediate Midwest area when it comes to uh, Medicaid reimbursement. Once again, that impacts you know hospitals, doctors, nurses, staff. Uh, how 
how how is that challenge going to to get to get reimbursed at least up to some sort of parity uh, with our neighboring states? Yeah, well, we hope this session uh, we can take a look at that. Even though it's not a budget year, we're going to be bringing forward a, a plan that uh, does not require a large general fund expenditure. Really, it, it, it uh, we we think actually uh, by taking advantage of some federal programs that are uh, most of our surrounding states have taken advantage of. We can bring more dollars back to Indiana. We can raise our hospital Medicaid rates. The General Assembly did a did a really good thing in the budget. It was one of the other kind of things I mentioned at the outset. There's a lot happening. They raised physician rates in Medicaid. Uh, that was a great start towards getting our Medicaid rate program more sustainable for hospitals. So we want to build on that uh, by taking advantage of this program that Kentucky recently implemented. And our base rates have not been raised in Medicaid uh, in 30 years uh, for, for hospitals here in the state of Indiana. And we've kind of papered over that uh, by using uh, a different approach to leverage some federal dollars. We've got uh, some new ideas that really modernize the way we pay hospitals. Uh, it injects quality. Uh, we're kind of, we would have some risk. Uh, it, it really is. We've got some skin in the game. And it will help us get to a more sustainable level. If we don't do that, uh, I, I don't think we can wait another year. We have too many hospitals right now that are struggling, and uh, and the low Medicaid rates uh, are a big part of that struggle. Our guest on the program today is Brian Tabor. Brian is with the Indiana Hospital Association. So looking back at 2023, the year in review and what's ahead in 2024. Uh, Brian, I know another big issue that uh, a lot of us faced this year was sort of the hospital shortage, uh, sort of hospitals sort of consolidating, uh, sort of disappearing in rural areas. Uh, what do you folks, uh, what's the game plan to sort of address that maybe next session? Well, I, I think what we're seeing is uh, some of our rural hospitals are challenged, but some of our urban safety net. Uh, hospitals are challenged. I can uh, think of a few right off the top of my head that I know in some of our, our, our cities around the state that are really struggling. And uh, the, the pandemic impact on, on hospitals, whether it's the workforce shortage, uh, just our expenses are up across the board. Uh, and, and again, with government payment is being flat, that that really hurts the bottom line. So uh, we don't want to see more hospitals close. We had a closure um, not too long ago, uh, down in uh, we had a bankruptcy. We, we've seen another couple of hospitals have to sort of kind of convert away from being a full-fledged hospital into an outpatient center. And really, what I'm very concerned with is that we've seen a number of hospitals have to close their OB department, uh, and and that means that uh, some moms will have to drive further to deliver. Now, we're working hard to to create new options for those moms, and. A lot of the struggle with providing that service is finding enough obstetricians and trained nurses. Uh, that's that's a huge challenge. So m raising Medicaid rates won't fix that alone, but it will help. It will help sustain the system, and that'll keep more hospitals independent. It'll keep more access in rural and urban areas, uh, and and I think it's just a good thing for Hoosier Health overall. Uh, one of the, uh, one of the big criticisms, uh, Brian, you and I have talked about this before. So I think it's uh, probably hard to sort of refresh your audience's memory a little bit was the issue of hospitals and quote-unquote monopolies, so to speak. And some folks saying that hospitals have a monopoly here in Indiana, and some folks may may decide, may decide to file an antitrust lawsuit to sort of break up uh, sort of break up those monopolies here in Indiana. Uh, yeah, I think you mentioned that the last time uh, that I was on. Uh, I haven't heard anything 
uh, about that, don't know anything about that. And, and I find it uh, odd that anyone would be able to put forth such an argument. We actually, especially if you look at, uh, you know, your market here in central Indiana, Abdul, probably one of the most competitive markets uh, in the country from a, from a hospital standpoint. You've got four uh, large health systems, uh, safety net hospitals, uh, county hospitals who compete with those health systems uh, in, in all of the donut counties. Uh, we're not a state that restricts competition. Uh, so we have physician-owned hospitals. Uh, we, we don't have what's called certificate of need, uh, like some of our surrounding states. So we're a really competitive state. Uh, and so I, I think some of the claims uh, that have been made uh, by certain critics of the industry are just uh, unfounded. Our guest on the program today is Brian Tabor. Brian is the head of the Indiana Hospital Association. Those are the organizations that represents most of the hospitals here uh, in the state of Indiana. And so uh, we're sort of looking back at 2023, the year in review, and also looking forward to what's ahead in 2024. Uh, Brian, I know another big issue uh, that hospitals had was the issue of uh, sort of the, the, the doctor, nurse, medical staff shortage. I know there was an issue about letting nurse practitioners uh, do some maybe some of the work that, that doctors do. How is all that working out right now? Yeah, so uh, in terms of the nurse practitioner and kind of expanding their scope, that did not pass. Uh, I, I know that there's some groups will be bringing that forward again this session. Uh, Indiana tends to move pretty slowly in that area. We were one of the last states to allow um, uh, physician assistants uh, to uh, to prescribe uh, and, and kind of along those lines generally when it comes to what we call scope of practice, how much that uh, a mid-level practitioner, a non-physician can do, uh, we're kind of conservative in, in that regard. Um, now, and that's, the, the conversation's always balanced between appropriate safety and the training of those individuals, uh, and then the need for access. So I think that conversation will continue. Um, but, but in terms of just the overall shortage, I mean, that's where our focus is. So we need to really... Uh, partner with our educational institutions. We've got a super strong partnership at IHA with Ivy Tech, uh, as well as other educational institutions. I think you'll see this session, perhaps some of the other universities coming forward with ways on how they can basically widen the pipeline of uh, nurses and other healthcare practitioners. Um, we can relax some kind of burdensome regulations on them. Uh, and we can get, you know, we should not be turning away students who want to go into healthcare. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes we are because we need to get those professionals that are out in the field. That we've got to get them in the classroom so that they can teach others. And there can be some regulations involved with that. So uh, we did some great work two sessions ago with a bill called Nursing Indiana Back to Health. I think we're going to continue that work. But, um, you, you know, it'll be a while. I think it'll be a few years before we really get back to the kind of staffing levels that we had before the pandemic, if if we can even get there. I know one of the things that uh, has helped you folks out in the hospital universe has been the issue of telehealth and people being able to sort of you know, talk to the doctors via their phone or, you know, online or, or via computer. I know there were there were some some issues that things you still couldn't get uh, telehealth services for. You had to actually go in and see your see your health care provider. Uh, how was that uh, challenge looking for next session? You know, I think telehealth is going to continue to play an increased role. What we saw was a huge spike during the pandemic. You know, people really uh, obviously could could not or, or did not want to go into an office setting. And uh, so so people really embraced it. But what we did see was a big drop off. You know, I, I think that healthcare is a very 
a person-centric field. You know, most of our costs in the hospital world, you know, 60% or more is in labor. Uh, and, and people want to see, they want to be there with nurses and nurse practitioners and physicians. And, you know, that's how I feel too. So I, I understand that. So what we've seen is some people move away from, from telehealth. However, in, in some areas, it's, it is still growing. So telepsychiatry, for example, you know, again, the legislature did some good work in a bill called Senate Bill 1 last year uh, to really invest in our behavioral health system. Telepsychiatry is a big part of that because we have a huge shortage. I mean, it's just not possible uh, to have uh, enough behavioral health practitioners in communities around the state. There just are so few. So telehealth is absolutely going uh, to be part of that, uh, part of that, the solution there. Brian Tabor with us for a few more minutes on the program today. Brian is the head of the Indiana Hospital Association uh, here in the great state of Indiana. Uh, Brian, I know a lot of uh, uh, budgetary uh, resources were uh, geared toward mental health uh, this go around. Uh, how will hospitals use those dollars to treat mental health patients? Yeah, so uh, we at the Hospital Association, we're kind of a big tent. So we, we have our, you know, our, our, our large, larger hospitals with the, the blue H sign and the emergency room, kind of what you think of when you think of the world word hospital. But there's all types of hospitals, and we're proud to, to represent community mental health centers, uh, private psychiatric hospitals, uh, and others who provide. So there's a whole continuum of behavioral health providers out there including many of our members, including many of our, our large hospital systems who also uh, provide behavioral health services. And what we're doing is really trying to link hands across that continuum of care. Uh, a lot of times, you know, providers, these different kinds of providers, different kinds of mental health hospitals or facilities, if you will, specialize in different types of services. Some might be uh, treating chemical dependency for those that have substance abuse disorder. Uh, others might treat you know, adolescents who are ha- struggling with suicidal I- ideation. And so what we're trying to do with some of like the statewide hotline and so forth is kind of create one door uh, for all patients that need uh, those behavioral health services and then try to get that the, the patient to the right place uh, at the right time, and telehealth plays a big part of that uh, because we want we need to get quickly with those patients. Uh, so we're really trying to build out an entire continuum of care. Senate Bill One uh, was big. I know that our community mental health centers have uh, a really bold vision for how they are going to transform their system, and there's going to be some legislation with that this session. And and the state and uh, FSSA, the Family Social Services Agency, is very involved with kind of a. Uh, a nationwide pilot where I think Indiana, uh, if, if everything goes right and, and we're able to get the resources we need from the federal government, I think we can develop just an incredible model here in Indiana. Uh, Brian, uh, final question for you. We always have this conversation whenever we chat, so you probably know what's coming. It's not about marijuana. It's more about transparency. Hey, is, is, is this the transparency? Yeah. Of course, my yeah. friend. <laughs> how, how are we looking at those transparency and those wonderful, and those wonderful hospital prices, once again, to, to give consumers more information about uh, their choices, what their medical expenses will be, the whole nine yards. I I, I know, and this is something that uh, you and I have talked about, and and it's there's been such a change. I think since we started to talk about it. I mean, I I, I would I would freely say that when we first began talking about this, it was not as easy to access that kind of information. Uh, but today, uh, between some of the insurance companies, and I'm really proud of the work our hospitals have done. We've been ranked in Indiana as. Uh, 
uh, in the top five, I think third or fourth uh, in a couple different studies as the most transparent state when it comes to hospital pricing. So not only are the prices out there for people to look, uh, but we also uh, put a lot of effort into making online tools available and, and also human beings. Uh, you know, People can call and we'll try to walk them through, okay, what kind of insurance do you have? What's your deductible? What's, what is your physician ordered for you? What do you need to have done medically? And uh, we'll, we'll kind of work with those, those patients on the front end so there aren't those surprises uh, on the back end. There's been the No Surprise Act that's passed at the federal level that's uh, for, in large part, at least when it comes to hospitals, kind of address the issue of surprise billing that was a concern. And what we're seeing is a lot of private innovation. Uh, there are companies like this one called Turquoise Health which is taking all the data that hospitals have to post publicly, and they're turning that into tools for somebody to look on their phone and compare hospitals, not just in Indiana, but across the country on price, but also quality, which is, which is critical when you're a healthcare consumer. Totally understand the concerns around healthcare affordability, but we also, you want to make sure that things are done right. And uh, when it's your loved ones, you want, you want the best value. You want high quality too. So a lot of new tools out there. And I think it's just, it's a completely different day when it comes to transparency. All right. Well, I guess the program day has been a good friend, Brian Tabor, the Indiana Hospital Association, looking at healthcare in Indiana from this year, from this year, and also uh, what's ahead next year. So Brian, my friend, first of all, thank you very much for being with us. Always appreciate it. Have yourselves a good holiday. And by the way, a uh, big shout out to the folks over at Hendricks Regional Health for helping with my healthcare issue earlier this year. So so they, they either get the congratulations or the condolences for helping keep me alive. So there we go. There is a, <laughs> well, some might question that, but I'm happy you're still uh, here, Abdul. And uh, a great team over at Hendricks. And, and it, it just kind of to highlight that no matter where you are in Indiana, we know it's important for people to have access to high-quality care. And we look forward to working with the General Assembly uh, this session to can do something, um, I think, bold, uh, but but needed for Indiana, which is to, to get our Medicaid rates for hospitals up to a sustainable level. And I think that will ensure that access is there for, for everybody across the state. All right. Brian Tabor, Indian Hospital Association. Brian, my friend, as always, thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks, Abdul. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.